G'day, and welcome to the Unfiltered Wine Podcast by Different Drop, where we chew the fat with the best and brightest wine industry minds from Australia and abroad. On today's episode, we speak with Gareth Belton, owner and winemaker of Gentle Folk Wines. Gentle Folk is one of Australia's most exciting wine labels, crafting stunningly pure wines from a range of excellent Adelaide Hills vineyards in both classic and contemporary styles. We love the Gentle Folk wines and also Gareth's unique approach to his winemaking and his business. Nothing off limits and nothing removed. This is Unfiltered. Gareth Belton of Gentle Folk Wines with us today. G'day, Gareth. How are you, mate? Thanks, mate. Really good. Thank you. Quick trip up to Sydney before vintage, just to, before the chaos ensues. Yep. Well, it's still it's chaos all the time at the moment. So <laughs> this it's vintage. I find is the easiest part of the year. Like it's you've done all the work. Yeah. But and once you get to the point of bottling, nets on, winery clean, vintage is easy because everything else gets ignored. Like you just whatever you know, you just like deal with it, have a good time, and then you get out of it, and then you. Check your emails and the world's ended. What the fuck's <laughs> happened? But it'd be nice but you to had a good switch off for, for a couple of months. Well, so you kind of have to because it's the most important thing. You just got to get it done because without you know doing all that work, you're you're kind of you're already on the back foot, and that's not. How does you know, um how does Rainbow handle that that couple of months while you're flat out? Pretty good. No, well, because everyone's living with us and it's there. Like it's better now that the winery's not at home. It was at home for a long time, and now yeah. the winery's ten minutes away, and there's a nice bit of a disconnect. So. It's also good. It means like you know you are forced to get to the point when you finish the day, yeah, and you go home, yeah, and you have and that separation. You there? And I you remember can, when I came and saw you last year, and it was um, uh, Leonard was running around with the chickens, yeah, um, and and uh, your your daughter um, just born, just, just born, and had to go grab the uh, the stroller to go down to the winery, yep. and and um, uh, it's a very uh, homely sort of operation. Yeah. <laughs> so now it was just nice to sort of draw the line there with that, and just be like, all right, this is it. And the kids actually love the new winery. I mean, you know, they kind of get to watch movies when I'm working, like in the nice, <laughs> perfect barrel room. Yeah. And they're like, with perfect temperature, turn the lights off, watch a movie. It's pretty good. Dad keeps bringing food in. So that's good. But like, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really hard, like busy couple of months. Like now that with the new winery, you know, we're doing a bit of like work for other people. And at the same time, we've got three more hectares of vineyard yeah. in basket range plus we're doing all the bottling on site now too. So yeah, we've sort of maybe built off a bit too much then. <laughs> it's, been, it's been an amazing like progression of, of gentle folk over the years since we've um, watched you grow over what similar timeline, I guess, to when yeah. we started about 10 years ago yep. um, from uh, just a, a couple of wines back in what, 13 or 14. And yep. now, how many vineyards are you managing now? There is five vineyards and yeah, ten, over 10 hectares. So. Wow. Yeah. And, and making a fair a fair number of wines. We were just having a laugh about oh, the amount of we're trying, we're trying to make less. <laughs> it's not that easy because, you know, some people have their favourites. We were chatting before uh, we went live about some of, the, some of the changes that are happening in the industry, I guess, and I thought it'd be interesting to get your perspective uh, on some of the trends that have changed uh, or are changing in, in Australian wine because yep. you're, you're sort of at this cross-section of the, the you know more innovative up and coming styles, but still making some very classic wines as yep. well. Like, what's your thoughts on where things are going? And while while you do that, I'm going to pour us a glass of Chardonnay because yeah, sure. it's just too delicious. I mean, well, you guys would have you know, you guys 
you probably see the numbers and you could probably tell me exact data on the whole thing, but like it's, it's, it's clear. I, I don't know if there's been, I don't feel like my change in my wine, like making and wine drinking has been driven by anything besides the fact that maybe my eyes have been opened a little bit more towards more wines from around the planet. And that's through, you know, like hanging out with people like you guys or, you know, people like, you know, buyers or, you know, sommeliers or your new friends and whatever it is. And you see all these different wines and you sort of live in this, you live in this little bubble, you know, like cellar palette bubble that you can get, you know, also within your own region with your own group of friends. And you go, well, you know, there's these other wines that I love, you know, and I, I, for some reason I like that wine. What the hell is that? And then I think my mind started shifting, you know, a couple of years ago into going, well, what do I spend my money on? Like when I go out, like what do I buy? When I go out for lunch with my family and we sit down, we go, I'm gonna order a bottle of wine. Like what do I order? And I was like, well, I order these all the time. That's what I do, you know? And why am I then, you know, I'm making a very different style of wine compared to what I'm ordering. And, but actually then you start thinking that these wines are different, but some of them aren't that different. Once mm. you start talking to the producers making those wines, you're like, well, we're actually, we're kind of all just trying to do the same thing, you know? And Australia, I think Australian wine has gone from, you know, like having these, you know, different camps all over the place or whatever it is. And now like there is this beautiful middle ground in Australian wine. And, mm. you know, there is this idea that we can make very high quality wines, you know, without much intervention. Like, and it's, we can have beautiful vineyards that are grown organically. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a them or us. It's like, yeah. it's possible to do all these things. And we've seen a lot of big companies move towards organics. You know, recently, like in my region, that's happened quite drastically fast. Yeah. And yeah, and we're a hard region to grow things organically. But, and whether that's, you know, this is sort of the thing that we've been doing. And as a winemaker, you obviously you're inherently selfish and live in your own world thinking that, you know, what I do is really important, but you just make wine. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the person buying the wine is the one who decides what happens in the industry. hundred percent. And I mean, you're very lucky that the Adelaide Hills is such a playground for... Yeah different varieties, different sub-regions. Like it's a huge, huge space yep. from down near McLaren Vale up to the Barossa. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's a massive area and people think, oh, the Adelaide Hills is just one region, but it really isn't. So you've got so many different varieties and, and even within those varieties, different like vineyards you can work with yep. to make up that tapestry. Because this comes from a few different sites here, the Chardonnay. This, this yeah. is the kind of Adelaide Hills range. Yeah, so I mean, the, the Chardonnay is, um, it, it's a blend of vineyard in Piccadilly um, that we buy fruit from a vineyard in Lenswood, which is farmed by Michael Downer uh, from Murdoch Hill, and then the Charleston Vineyard, which yep. is um, the Turnbull family, which is, they're also my distributors in South Australia. They've got two blocks there we buy from. The Peter Lee Vineyard is also farmed by Dylan Greig. So Dill farms the right. vineyard. So, he works with us too. So pretty handy growers. Yeah, like it's, we're talking about growers that, you know, that are part of our family as well. You know, like I can't, my business does not exist without, you know, yeah the Turnbulls and deal really like it doesn't I don't have a business that's it so it's like having a family business but no one's married like, yeah. maybe the children can sort it out later no, at the yeah. moment no just stick like, here of downer yeah <laughs> <laughs> you said it yeah. and you can get that removed <laughs> but it was um yeah no but it's and I think like I just feel that like between meeting people like that you know and like the Turnbulls which is you know it's a relatively new relationship with me yeah. like it's you know, we started working with them three years ago and then now suddenly they're growing 40% of our fruit, you know, and they also then sell 30% of our wine. Yeah. And it's, and then, you know, you drink with them and you drink with their family and then you sort of go, and this, you sort of, I know for me it was like this revelation going, I'm not connected at all with the end consumer. Like yeah. I'm very connected with what I want to do and that's a very selfish way to view the world. And I'm not trying to make wine for the people, but it's more sort of understanding, well, this is what makes people happy. 
Yeah. And I feel like other people, like, you know, back in a few years ago, everyone would buy whatever and take a punt. There was lots of money around. Yeah. Things were cheap. Now things are fucking hard. Like, yeah. it's hard for us. It's hard for you. It's hard for every single person on the street. And if they're going to spend their money right now, they're going to go with something that makes them feel happy and they can trust. And this is, I think, the big issue what's happened in the wine industry for a lot of the smaller producers is the fact that, like, there's a lot of fish in the ponds. Like, there's a lot of people making wine. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, like, even in my region, there was probably, you know, there's probably double the amount of producers now than there were 10 years ago, mm -hmm. which is great. It's awesome that everyone's, you know, giving a crack. There's some amazing wines coming out of it. And it's, but at the same time, there's only a pool of money that's that big yeah. buying wine. And at the end of the day, like wines are still expensive. Like a lot of our wines are expensive yeah. compared to, you know, I guess other wines from around the world and, you know, even around Australia. And there's no, the, the person buying the wine, they, you know, they, they, you know, I hate to use the word conservative, but people are just going to spend their money better. Yeah. You know, like uh, in terms of like, in terms of for them, it's better for them. It's not necessarily better for us. Maybe not better wine, but it's going to buy something that's going to make it like, whatever, I'm going to go home, I'm going to drink that with mum, dad, daughter you know, cousin, best mate, whatever it is. And that's what I've definitely seen as a producer. There's a huge swing towards yeah. things that are, you know, people are just, yeah, they just, it makes them just feel at ease when they spend their money. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, a bottle of wine's like 40, 50 bucks, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, it's a luxury. Yeah, it's yeah. an hour and a half work, you know, depending yeah. on what you're doing, like you're just a normal person. And it like, can disappear much faster. Exactly, <laughs> so. I think as well what we've seen is uh, it, it doesn't mean that wines just have to be cheap, but it's at no. every price point, you have to feel like they're over-delivering. Yep, 100%. Like, and, and I mean, your Chardonnays, like I think are some of the best Chardonnays coming out of the Adelaide Hills. And yep. I'd go as far as to say in the last two or three years, and this is my first look at any of the 23s, some of, some of the most exciting Chardonnays in Australia, yeah, um, they have this incredible purity um, and acid, natural acidity and mineral sort of feel to them and, and bucket loads of flavour. Uh, and character um, they're really exciting wines and, and I think I mean you mentioned our, our data yeah. our extensive data um, Chardonnay is is you know the variety that we're seeing yep. people are still gravitating towards and still prepared to spend money on yep. that's the one that's the one variety really even like some of the best Rieslings in Australia once you start getting up to $40 a bottle kind of thing if you're, oh, it's Riesling like it's a pretty amazing Rieslings for 25 yeah, but okay. Chardonnay when you compare to the world stage yep. and, and, you know, California, France, I think Australia makes some incredible value Chardonnay um, like this. Oh, well, I think Bank, Bank Australia is making the best Chardonnay in the world at the moment. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Like it's, don't get me wrong, like, you know, we could probably go to Europe and drink wine for the, you know, similar price, um, you know, they're made here, but like still got a bike flight. You mentioned about um, making wines for the, for the people. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rainbow juice. This yep. has been a, an enigma, that a is, behemoth. Is that it? is the wine for the people. <laughs> Do you want to um, finish your Chardonnay? Yeah, sure. I'll pour you a splash of this. So Rainbow Juice, um, have, have you been making that since the beginning? No, Not no, that, that came about with, um, yeah, there was like a bunch of, I used to make a wine, I think when we first saw each other in 2014-ish, was Pinot and Pinot. That was Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris. That's and right. then one year the Pinot Noir Gris came in really early and the Pinot Noir came in really late, so I made them separately. Um, this was 2015. And the, um, and the Pinot Gris just went like fucking reductive, man. Like just like all the reduction bits. Like, you know, it just was next level. And I was like, fuck, what do we do? How are we going to deal with this? And like I, f I fermented it on some skins from later stuff in the season. And then 
you know, kind of made this wine that was kind of pinkish. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be like, you know, like a skinsy gris. It was supposed to be, you know, with a bit of a blush. And then the wine ended up being like super vibrant, like mm -hmm. super, super pink. But it was like, what the, you know, do we do with this? And then there was a tank in the back of the winery with this other vineyard that I had in Basket Range um, that had all these different varieties in it. And, you know, we, it was like one ton for the whole vineyard, but everything. So we put them all in one thing and just like a little different colored, you know, yeah, marbles yeah. really. And you're like, okay, let's put all these together. And, you know, we're sort of sitting there going, fuck, what do we do with this? Who the hell is going to buy this? You know, this is weird. And I was, Alex, he does my labels. I was like, like Alex and I are sitting there. He's like, so, cause we, we you know, we talk about, there's a new wine, you know, like this, yeah. this wine, like the sand, you know, we, 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 we bottled this and he's like, what's the deal with the sand? I'm like, man, like I met the Turnbulls. You know, I, I mentioned that I love Sangiovese. It's my favorite thing. I love drinking Sangiovese at lunch. It's a, you know, makes me happy. And he's like, oh man, perfect. What do you want to do? And I said, man, let's just draw a label with the Turnbulls in the front. And he's like, you're cool. And that's a picture of the turn. So we always have these discussions. Yeah, and we do yeah. lots of, he does lots of artwork and then we make a plan. And then I was trying to, I'm sitting there like, you know, cause he's not a winemaker like yeah. Alex. He's like, he's, a, he's an artist, but he, he has a cafe. So he understands wine and he's been around us all long enough. And, but this was early days. And I was like, so man, there's like, there's like 22 varieties in this wine, you know, like, and there's all this stuff. And I don't know, it's like a bit of this, bit of that. Like, it's just all the bits and pieces. And he was like, man, it's like the rainbow of wines. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. See, I know. wasn't sure if it was some sort of reference to no, your, to not your related wife, at, Not related at all. So how does so she feel about it? She wine? wasn't that happy about it in the beginning. Um... <laughs> But I think, you know, it, her name doesn't have a W, so there is no, no distinction between it. I think she could probably take us to court. But it was, um, <laughs> there, there is like, it, and it just, it came about, you know, the wine came out and it was like, it was one of these things that did, you know, back then I was like, man, all those, that was such a weird wine. And that parcel was so fucked. And that was like this and that. And you put it together and it made something. It, just it was worked. like, yeah. it's really nice. And you're like, it's kind of complex. It's like rosé that was like, it was like, it would be one of the you know the first rosés in Australia that went more from like you know just this pale pink thing to yeah. like something with complexity you know yeah. like it was texture it was phenolics it was like heaps of aromatics it was like yeah. aromatic city like because there's heaps of converts yeah. and things like that in the wine and it was like and then it it came about and I was like and then the, you know the next year we sort of did the same thing and then every year it's been Pinot Gris with bits and then we don't have that Vignana Basque range at the moment I, I gave it over to a friend and then we you know, we've, we've mixed in, always mixed in some Gewurz yeah. and some Gris. And that's, you know, every year I'm like, fuck, I'm over making this wine. Like, I'm just, it's, it's the hardest wine to make because you're like, you know that people are like, why does it taste that way this year? Why is it so different? You're like, who gives a fuck, man? Like, it's pink. It's pretty and much single-handedly the reason why you bought the new winery, right? Yeah, no, just exactly. Like this. <laughs> no, and it, like, it pays the bills, you know? Like, it's, and, and it was, and it's been fun. And luckily, like, for a few years it went into, like, you know, I lost the Gris block. Mm. Um, that we were using, you know, and then we sort of had to shift things around. But then, you know, once again, the you know, theme of the day is that, well, the Turnbulls came around and they had a beautiful green block and they carved off a little bit for me. Nice. And now it's skin contact green yeah. with some converts. And from a consumer point of view, I think what's made this wine so successful is that it's about a style first rather than vineyard and variety. Yep. Because I think as, as winemakers or people in the wine trade, we get really excited talking about vineyards yep. and about soils and about expressions of varieties. And all that stuff is really important because that is the magic of wine. But also there is a huge amount of people that might 
that if they're honest, probably don't care that much about some yeah, of the shit. geeky that was something stuff, like right? smells and tastes delicious. That's not expensive and yeah. looks like an awesome label. Yeah, and comes and also and comes from real people, uh, yeah. and it's something recognizable. Like it's got that consistency year on year um, with the brand, and it's so beautiful and simple. And I yeah. think this has just been like such a leading wine for that kind of weird category that's emerged of like rosé, blush, pinot yeah. gris, skinzy, amber. I don't know what it is. Like it all yeah, needs yeah. to almost be lumped in into one category. No, by far it's the weirdest thing that we do. Like yeah. it's a very, it was a massive outline now. Like if yeah. we do all these other things, then you're like, well, what the hell's that? You yeah. know, but it's, you know, no. it, make, it makes, it always makes people happy. And I'm, I'm happy, like, mm. you know, I always get told that I can't stop doing it by all the people that sell the ones. Cause it's the wine that sells it. it it sells itself, like it sells itself by the fact that like we don't have to do anything. It's just on the website or it's in the portfolio and yeah. people just buy it. Yeah. Year round, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, it's great value too. Um, okay, we're talking about trends, different changes. One of the biggest things we've seen, I reckon, is this whole category of kind of light reds. Yep. Um, chilled reds. Uh, it's really taken off, like to me makes. What's retaking off now? I think it feel like it disappeared for a bit and now it's back on. Yeah, like, yeah, you might be right. And I mean, I think, I don't know, it just makes sense. Like, I don't th I don't think I've had a red wine all summer that hasn't been lightly chilled. Yeah, but you guys live in the freaking jungle here. Like, <laughs> How's it today? It's bloody humid, sorry about that. Not like yesterday, yesterday was. <laughs> yesterday was a mess. <laughs> it was oh terrible. Oh my it was God. dripping. I got off the plane, I was like, yeah, can I just go back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, there's no red wine being drunk here in Sydney um, unless it's been yeah. in the fridge. And, and makes sense in Australia. Why? I don't understand why we kind of grew up with like 15% Massive Cabernets and Shiraz, right? Like it just doesn't suit our yep. cuisine, doesn't suit our climate. Yep. Um, so this, this is a, a new wine for you, but um, I guess a nice kind of segue into that lighter red sort of style. Yeah, I mean, Gamay, you know, there's been Gamay talks about in the hills. Initially, the, the, there was plantings about 30 years ago. And of course, back then people were like, Gamay, no, no one wants Gamay. So things were grafted over, you know, and then, obviously there's been a resurgence in the last 10 years. So there's been a lot more vineyards planted now and it's, it's in massive demand. So it's all over, like it's being planted everywhere. Like it's an easy, at the end of the day, you know, like there is, there's a, there is a gamay category mm. on almost all the wine lists and in bottle shops now. So it's great. The fact that like, I think Adelaide Hills is a great place to grow gamay. Like it, 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 it not last year so much does it normally ripens really well. Um, there's great crops and it's just, it just seems happy in the heat. Yeah. So, you know, like I feel like the hills, you know, like we could have sitting in this boundary, you know, maybe where Beaujolais does sit, you know, between, you know, Burgundy and the Rhone, where, mm. you, you know, like we have heat, but we have coolness. Mm. So, you know, maybe Pinot Noir is marginal, maybe in some good spots in the hills, Pinot can be good. Yeah. And then, but you know, at the same time, maybe with Shiraz, there are some years where it's a bit too cool. We don't yeah. get that richness in the wines. But then, you know, like, at the same time, maybe in the middle, and that's where Gamay sits. And I feel like it's a, well, at the end of the day, we don't want to be copying the old, you know, like the French ways, but it is, you know, there is a reason why things are planted in a certain way there for a balance. And like, I feel like Gamay will fit that category very well, but it's going to take, I think, a number of years until vines get older. Yeah, we'll see that complexity. Because you're seeing a lot of nice, easy drinking wines yep. now. Um, but need that complexity. Because I think with Pinot in the hills, there's some obviously some wonderful Pinots. Like you make some great Pinots. But, you know, often too warm, and I think a lot of the wines, compared to some of the pinots coming out of cooler parts of yep. Australia, don't have that same kind of complexity and definition, no. I guess. Yeah, um, we struggle with getting density in pinot in the hills yeah. because of the, the heat, I think. so. Um, but, yeah, so I think Gamay, and as it gets warmer, and Gamay makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, and, and seems to be able to provide really good value as well to that point yep. we were chatting about before. 
Um, and yeah, I, I, we sell a lot of um, even Australian gamut. It's, yeah, it's okay. hugely popular. This is great, by the way. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. Normally, so there's not well, there is like not normally like every we've been making gamut for a number of years now, and it's always gone into sofa. Mm. So I've always felt like it's been a little bit just lacking something more. This vineyard showed a bit more character than you know the rest of the stuff they yeah. normally get. So yeah, at the end of the day, like we still have shitloads of gamay in yeah. sofa. We've always seen it, and it's always made you know. It's always, it's Vinja with, sofa, Vinja yeah. sofa for those that don't know. Sorry, the wine. Sofa. No, you're right with um with a nice cartoon of of um who who's sitting on the couch? Uh, a, a French vineyard worker that we used to have for a number of years ago, and he <laughs> he enjoyed drinking bottles of wine while lying on the couch, which is you know. Vinda sofa. I wish I could. I wish I. I wish I could do that, but I'd be literally thrown out the house immediately if I <laughs> attempted that sort of behaviour straight out of the Magnum. But it was, yeah, this idea of having a wine, you know, like I guess that's drinkable is always what Vinda sofa was about. Yeah. This is a drinking wine, right? So it's like a, and you know that that's leads us to the next one, which is. The whole idea with Vindasova was the fact that I wanted to make Chianti style wine. Well, let's taste it. Let's taste the Sangiovese while we're while we're on the topic, because I know this is yeah an area you're passionate about. Yeah, I just wanted to make a delicious table wine like that was you know aromatic, you know tannins, acidity, you know like a bit of fruit, but not too much fruit because that's you know like I still want a wine that's savoury when I'm especially when I'm eating food. Um, and it was the idea was to make. You know, something into something that looked like Sangiovese out of Gamay and Pinot and Merlot and Shiraz, really. Yeah. That's where that came from. And now we make Sangiovese because we managed to find some beautiful vineyards. But it's, yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, I guess Gamay works well. Is that at the end of the day, it is a, it's a comfortable grape. Like, you know, it's the same as yeah. we talking before. Like, people are happy to walk in a store and buy Gamay, I think, because they trust it. It's like Pinot. People buy Pinot. Yeah. They buy Chardonnay. It's light, you know, it's fun, it's not, easy. And it, you know, that, that just makes people happy. And I'm hoping, like taking a punt with Sangiovese, that I think enough people in Australia have been exposed to Nebbiolo and Sangiovese and Pinot Grigio and things like that, that they are comfortable to buy yeah. a Sangiovese. And like, because I love it. Like I absolutely love Sangiovese. Like it's a, it, for me, it's, you know, the wine that I just could drink every day of the year, happily. Like, you know, maybe it could get a bit of a chill, especially with a, you know, this is an aromatic, you know, more tannic light style compared to the, you know, more fruit bomb style. And it's been, yeah, it's it's been fun, like, exploring different ways to make sand, like, different vineyards and hills. We don't grow any Sangiovese. We've just grafted over um, a section of the Ashton Chardonnay vineyard. Next to it, there was some savvy that we've grafted over the sand. Mm -hmm. We do have some sand now growing in Ashton, which may or may not Exciting. be. Well, it might be a bad idea <laughs> in, in cooler years, but... There's definitely, I mean... What you were saying before about these Italian varieties, I mean, that, that can't be questioned. Like, we've seen a huge shift towards you know, Nebbiolo, Nero d'Avola, Montepulciano, Fiano, Vermentino, etc. In terms of what people are buying. Or... Yeah, yeah, what people are willing to try. And I think also so the quality of those wines improving. So a lot of these wines are getting a lot more press, yep. which makes people more willing to try them. Then they enjoy them. They're good yep. value. Um, this can often be sustainably produced. Yep. Um, it's really exciting. I, I, they're not going to knock off you know, Shiraz and Pinot off their perch anytime soon, but there's a definite trend. Like yep. we're seeing things like Merlot and Cabernet decline um, and, and these other new varieties, including like Gamay and Grunewald and other things like this, really. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, well, 100%. I mean, I feel like when you go, you know, like for me, Sangiovese, like when you go, you drive into a vineyard, which is planted with multiple varieties, you know, you can spot the Sangiovese and the Sablon. Like they are emerald green. Like they are glowing 
happy. They're like, bring the sun on. And everyone yeah. else is like, fuck, I'm dying. This is shit. Yeah, it's like, and then, but same thing, you drive down Three Blue Springs. Yeah. Spot the Grenache. Yeah. Glowing. Yeah. Happy. And that has to say something, you know, yeah. like if the vines are just happy in a cool year, hot year, and you know, Sangiovese crops really well, it doesn't need much water. The hotter the day, the happier it is. You go to Tuscany, it's like freaking hell on earth. Like it's so hot. Yeah. yeah. It's like so hot. It's like way hotter than where we live. And you go, you know, they're growing it there, we're growing it here. It makes delicious, you know, very balanced wines. It has to be a push towards it. And, you know, hopefully we can get to the point when there's enough of it being grown and made in the hills. But yeah, the prices can become better, you know, like I don't think there's any reason why Sanj can't come down, you know, like, in, you know, at the moment there's not much of it. I've had a couple of tough vintages, but maybe in a few years time, it'd be, I'd love to just be like, wine for the people, red wine, go for it. And if people are happy to do it, like it makes life easier because I can tell you right now, we ain't making cheap Pinot yeah. or Chardonnay, you know, the, you know, the way things have been going. Fantastic. With the season. A man for the people. No. <laughs> <laughs> just no, no people <laughs> no there's, people there, there's an electric fence outside the belt and I just want, no I just want like, I, like you know like I'm probably not the most social human being on planet earth like and I you know I probably rub people up the wrong way half the time but like it's more the fact that like I really you know I, I've, I've got a short life I'm 40 now like and I've only got you know whatever it is left and I just feel like enough's enough you know like I'm we've been pushing all these things you know and like this is cool this is going to sell that's going to sell at the end of the day, you walk in the vineyard, you look at the sand, you're like, fuck, it's awesome, it's so happy, crops well. What the fuck are we doing pushing mm. things uphill? Mm. Why don't we just make life easy? And then I can be at home, I can be doing something else, I could be sleeping, I could be doing whatever, you know, like it's yeah. like, I could, let's just do that, that works, and let's accept it. And yeah. as like a, a region, maybe, you know, where I live, maybe we should be like, well, we'll stop pushing something else. Like, why don't we just do this? But, you know, there's always going to be the the Pinot and the Chardonnay mm. and Shiraz, you know, like mm. that's going to dominate South Australian wine for a long time to come. And which is great. I mean, I still believe very strongly in Chardonnay and Shiraz in the hills. But, you know, I think we have to start looking around a bit more because why do we have to be limited to these? I don't get it. I've, had, I've never understood what the reason for it is besides a bunch of people just wanting to drink. Mate, well, I, uh, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I think that, that actually is <clears throat> uh, why you've had so much success with this label because obviously making great wines but they're wines that that are approachable and fun to drink and and made with the consumer and consumer in mind um, yeah. which which frustratingly and crazily isn't something you can well i like i'm a yeah. big consumer and i get fucked off when i spend like 200 bucks on a bottle of wine that's fine yeah and that drives me nuts so because i know like 200 bucks is hard to get it is Oh, amazing new wines, amazing new release. Um, love everything you do, Gareth. Cool. So, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for, uh, Thank you guys joining, for the, joining the podcast. Oh, so good. <laughs> awesome. All right. See you soon. Yeah. See you soon.